Welcome to our podcast. I'm David Kramer coming to you from Northern California. And I'm Dave Blasco from Arizona. Dave and I have been friends since the early 80s when we were college roommates. And we finally found a medium to share our wisdom with the world or at least our opinions. Between us, we have two engineering degrees, two master's degrees, an economics degree, and over 60 years of work experience. We're making this podcast together to try to help each other and hopefully you, the listener, save money. So Dave, do you have any follow-up from our uh, federal shutdown episode with our uh, our good friend Steve Royster? I think the, as I thought about it, it's just good to remind folks that in case something like that would happen to you or some other event where potentially you would lose uh, a recurring income is to set aside some money uh, in a rainy day fund. And, you know, we both talked about that. I've always heard that you should save six months of salary. And that's a huge chunk of money for most folks. But if you can put something aside, it's always good to prevent that sort of thing. And then the last tip uh, that we had, we talked about in the podcast was for those of you that are homeowners out there, sometimes what you can do is you can get a home equity line of credit and that could be your cash cushion if you needed it. Yeah, I think that is the biggest takeaway. Uh, we know for sure whether we work for the federal government or not, but layoffs happen, illnesses happen, emergencies happen. My interpretation of the, the six-month rule is six months of what your take-home is in your check. So if you make $50,000, you don't need $25,000 in the bank. You need Fifteen thousand dollars. That that was my interpretation as well. The to cover your six months of expenses, and yeah. But if on the on the flip side, if your expenses are more than your income, you need more than that. Yeah, that that would, that would yes, that's certainly true. Uh, I wish that was actually a joke, but it certainly has happened at certain times in my life. Yeah, and and for me as well, certainly um, I've got uh, two kids one's out of college one's still going through college and I will tell you that I've had some upside down on my cash flow during the college years for 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 sure in these last say six years or so so it's it's easy to see how people can get them in, in that sort of situation but at the same time if if something did happen there are probably some expenses that you can probably cut back in the short term right all right so but today we're going to talk about saving the planet Oh, and coincidentally, hopefully saving some money uh, using solar power at your house. Yeah, and I think I always say that, you know, being green is sometimes equivalent to saving to saving money. Uh, absolutely. I think that's uh, I think that's when we sort of learn that in engineering school, uh, that there's an elegance to being efficient. And the best way to measure that is with money. Yeah, it's a good way to measure things. Um, of course, when you're looking at solar, at least for the first, I don't know, 50 years of it being available, uh, they, uh, at least solar PV, photovoltaic energy generation, never really worked on a dollar basis without subsidies from the government. No, it was super expensive. Um, you know, we'll talk about it, and I do have solar on my house, and I, I had followed it for a number of years, but it was just really too expensive for me to consider doing it until uh, when I did it in about 2010. Yeah, which now makes you an early adopter. Um, California has tons of solar now, uh, but I looked up some statistics this morning, and 
in 2012, less than 1% of California's in-state generation came from solar. And in 2017, it was over 11%. That's a really big jump. That is, you know, that's amazing. I think you think there's a lot of places in California where you have a lot of sunny weather, certainly in Arizona here, we're one of the sunniest spots in, in the United States. And I think if you were building a new house, definitely it's the way to go. Put it on your house, plop it into your mortgage. It will pay for itself in probably somewhere between maybe as little as six years. But I think by my calculations, probably closer to 10 or 12 years. In California, for the last few years, the Green uh, Cal Green Building Code has required uh, that you make allowances on commercial projects anyway for there to be solar on the roof in the future. So you have to lay out the uh, the rooftop so there is an empty space where you could install solar panels, and you have to run uh, conduits up to the roof that can be hooked up to later. Just this year. Actually, I'm sure I know that's 2019 or 2018, but all new houses built in California have to have solar panels on the roof. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, and it's tricky because um, there's actually a bit of a glut of solar power in California. And uh, the in order to keep the grid balanced, because, um, you know, you always have to, it turns out the gas-fired plants can't come on and off instantly. So there are times on a sunny day when we as a state can't use enough power. So they make solar, uh, solar farms turn off. Well, I did not, I I have not followed industry that, that closely. Um, I did not realize that's very interesting. I do know, I am aware of just the issues you have with balancing the grid and it's hard to start up big power plants, you know, like on the dime, if you will, uh, quickly, but it's interesting as solar goes up, how the utilities will kind of work their way through figuring out how to make it all work seamlessly. Yeah, it's hard. You need the grid to level it out because you can't just run your refrigerator on sunny days. Yeah, that's for sure. Interesting. And I wonder, I looked at, uh, I'm just thinking about, you know, battery technology would harness some of that energy. But right now, I think with the cost of batteries, I took a look at that a year or two ago and decided there just wasn't a good payback there for me. So I'm like most other people connected to the grid. I want to be on the grid. Um, But when it's sunny, I can, depending on the time of the year and the time of the day, generate maybe 40, 50, 60% of my electricity dependent on being on that grid. Yeah, I, I find the batteries really interesting from uh, a resilience point of view. Um, it's It's gotten much more stable here, but it used to be we'd lose our power all the time. It, you've been to my house. I live up in the hills with lots of trees and all the overhead lines. So every winter you'd, you'd lose power, sometimes for days when a tree went down. So the uh, having a uh, a battery as an alternative to, say, a gas-fired or propane-fired generator is really uh, interesting to me. Huh. And you can can you hook your home up to the battery? And the reason I ask that is here in Arizona, and I think in a lot of other municipalities, if you have solar and the uh, electricity goes out, it won't run your home. It has to automatically turn off so you're not putting uh, energy back through the line that would potentially hurt someone who's working on the uh, electrical lines. I think they've got that worked out. I think the only one that is practical, though, is the is the Tesla Powerwall. Ah, okay. So I've got a friend, uh, a neighbor I know from baseball. Uh, you've met him. I'm hoping we might have him on as a, a future guest because for a living, he does 
big power storage systems for schools and retail chains, uh, but he just in the past few weeks installed one at his house. So it'd be really interesting to hear his professional expertise and his uh, personal experience uh, to see whether it works out. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Here in Arizona, our power is very stable. I can only think of two times where the power has been off for more than a few minutes or just a brief interruption. And we have very few brief interruptions. But when, it, when my power goes out here, the solar is turned off automatically too. So you're not running power back through the lines and that's per local local rule here. So it doesn't help you, uh, at least now in the way mine's set up with the power goes out. But, you know, when you put in a, a emergency generator in a commercial installation, you have to install a automatic transfer switch and that has to, in well under a second, they measured in milliseconds, flip off so you're not back feeding into the, the system, if, if, if I understand it correctly. Yeah. Uh, um, so there's got to be a way to do that for your house. It just might be prohibitively expensive. Yeah, that's a good point. So I, I didn't really research that, didn't think much about it. Um, we do not have problems with electrical power here going off. When I lived in Utah, we definitely had issues, not where I live, but where I worked, where the power would go off very frequently and we had a backup generator and our rule of thumb was if the power flickered on the second time in a day we just went to generate backup for the rest of the day because we had to protect our computer systems from going down and having a reboot which is it was a nightmare sometimes and that worked out really well in that case yeah i was going to put a, a a generator at my house because <laughs> the first year we moved here uh the the power went out for three days over thanksgiving when we had 10 guests sleeping over um it was pretty miserable, but then I got hung up deciding between natural gas fired or uh, you know a belly tank with uh, diesel fuel. And uh, my father-in-law is a pretty practical guy. Showed me the concern you have that you don't want to have your generator running and then the power comes back up and back feeds into the system and things explode. Mm -hmm. So I got intimidated by that and gave up on the, the scheme. I got you, but it's interesting because with. A lot of the, especially in the southeast, uh, you see a lot of more interest in generators for homes. I know um, I've never had this happen to me, but I have lived, when I lived in Tennessee, the power in our neighborhood was out for two weeks the year before I moved there because of ice storms knocking uh, above overhead power lines down. And I know where my father-in-law lives in southern Florida. They were out for three weeks at one point a few years ago after a hurricane. So I think it seems to be a lot of interest in especially in South Florida with uh, generators like that that could run a substantial part of your home. Yeah, I'm not sure how clean they run, though. Um, so being just straight up green, uh, a diesel-fired one sounds unattractive to me. Sounds, and maybe perhaps a little bit noisy, depending on where it is, too. That's true. The, so if we can make batteries work, I think that would be the way to go. I tried to do the math um, because when I bought the electric car, we switched to um, uh, time of service, different levels. Yep. And it seemed like you might be able to almost make it pay for itself by charging the battery at night at the lower rates and discharging it during the peak rates. Huh, that would be interesting for sure, right? Yeah. Um, of course, then... <laughs> you're counting on the rates not to change yeah I, I looked at it briefly because our local from time to time we get incentives here and i looked at the battery briefly it, it i didn't spend a lot of time looking at it, but the payback to me just 
didn't seem there. I try to make, I try to do things that pay off in a few years. And the reason I did solar back in 2010 is the um, combination of the panel prices dropping precipitously the few years beforehand and the federal tax credits and the um, rebates from my local uh, energy company just made it so attractive that I couldn't say no. And, and it basically paid for itself in about five years. All right. Well, it, give us the, the math on that. Because thinking about that from, you have an MBA, right? That means you're getting a 20% return on your money forever, which you compare that to stocks, bonds, pretty much anything is a, 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 it's an awesome investment. Yeah, I, I just couldn't pass it up. So at the time, I bought my uh, solar panels in 2010. And the uh, at that time, there was a federal tax credit, which is still in place for our listeners. It's that you have a 30% tax credit, which is still in effect for this year. I think next year it goes down to 26% and then tapers off. I have not been paying as close attention to it since I've got the panels. But that federal tax credit was in place uh, there was a state tax credit at the time from the state of Arizona f- for about $1,000. And then the local utilities, there are two local utilities where I live, and the one I had gave a uh, fairly significant rebate back. And as you said, I'm one of the early adopters. Um, and the the tax credit at that point was just something I couldn't pass up. So between the state tax credit, the federal tax credit, and the rebate from the, the local utility, um, I think I ended up paying about $5,000 out of pocket for this whole thing. Now I had to outlay, I had to do my taxes obviously. So I had to outlay the cash to get it and then take the, take the federal tax credit on my taxes, uh, almost 11 months later, if you will, but it still made it worth my while. And, and, um, you know, overall I'm pretty happy with it. I've had my inverter break once it was replaced under warranty um, it took me a couple months to get it fixed, which is kind of an irritating long time. But I think the solar industry has gone through some trials and tribulations with the rules changing and uncertainty about federal tax credits. Um, but overall, I think I've been pretty happy with it. So what is the size of your installation? The size of my installation, it's it's five it's 5,000 watt installation. And it, it'll peak, uh, I guess with the efficiencies, it'll peak at about 4,000 watts. So on any given month, um, it'll... Um, generate about 40 to 50 percent overall of my overall energy usage and i'm sorry what percentage about 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 40 to 50 percent of my overall energy usage it'll it'll uh create so let me grab the the last um uh year four years so um when I first got it, I've been working really hard to reduce my energy usage. So it's actually uh, it's actually uh, generating more um, electricity for me as a percentage because I've worked hard to reduce the amount of energy I've used over the past over the past few years. But it's generating about 40 percent, forty to fifty percent or so. What I heard on commercial installations was to shoot for eighty percent of the load. Um, because you didn't want to get over a hundred percent, so you wanted to basically make an allowance, like you're saying, for your your usage to go down. Um, how how did you arrive at trying to do fifty percent? Is it, were you limited by the size of your roof? No. Uh, oh, that's a really great question. It was simply economics. Um, there's two power companies in where I live. The power company in my neighborhood would only allow you to get a 
to um, the rebate would stop at a 5,000 watt system. And so that's the system I got because I was purely interested in the payback on it. If I had lived probably in the other, a different location had the other utility company, they weren't capping your size. I could have a unit probably as twice as big and um, would have gotten a bigger unit, but it was simply a matter of economics. Gotcha. So if I got a bigger, I, I could certainly have a bigger unit, but the payback wouldn't have been there. So I was really f- focused on getting the biggest unit that I could get reimbursed from the utility and, and make the economics of it work out. So did you, there are companies like Solar City. I can't think of any of other ones. There's, there's dozens of them that will install your uh, solar panels for quote unquote free. Um, and then uh, take the their payment out of this alleged savings on your uh, electric bill. Did you do that, or did you pay a contractor to install them, or something in between? I paid a contractor to install them. That's my recommendation to folks. If if you feel really strongly about doing something green, then I'd say go ahead. My only concern is, as in many things in life, if you you take on more risk, um, you're better off. And um, buying it yourself is, I think, a, uh, financially, it, it saves you money. The other way, I couldn't really see it, it would save me any money. And then also, I would caution listeners. I think it's you know fundamentally the right thing to do for green. But there's some, been some studies I saw in Consumer Reports that suggested if you own your solar system, it increases your home value. If you rent it, it actually decreases your home value. Yeah, what I've try and remind people is that if somebody's calling you on the phone to sell you stuff or uh, cornering you at Home Depot to sell you stuff, that salesperson is getting paid. Their cost of acquiring you as a customer has to get rolled into their cost of delivering the panels. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I think you got to do what's what you feel is right, but I'm not a fan of getting a system that you rent. I don't think it economically makes logical sense for homeowners. I would I would recommend against that and only look at it if you're going to buy a system. Yeah, and they make some very complicated assumptions and write contracts that are probably too long to read. And since uh, you know we're all in the habit of clicking through and agreeing things just to download apps and things you might find five years from now that when energy costs went down that you owe them money. Yeah, it's possible. So there's a lot of uncertainty there. So while your, you know, cash outlay would be greater and you were responsible for it, you know, after the warranty period ends, I think you're always better off assuming those sorts of risks yourself because in the long run, all that stuff's going to pay off for you, if you will. Everything is not going to break simultaneously. It, there's a thing in California. Um, I'm not sure what other states have it, but it's called PACE, P-A-C-E. And I'm blanking on what the acronym stands for, but it lets you borrow. M- how does it work? You, you pay for green improvements to your house and uh, the state pays for it and collects the money from you through increased property taxes. And uh, that stays with the house forever. And, uh, it makes it harder to refinance, harder to sell, and uh, there's some kind of seems like there might be some shady operators that are working in that in that field. Yeah, I, I really the contractor I had here in Arizona I really liked them. They did a fantastic job. 
Um, been really happy with them. Like I said, I've had one kind of warranty issue where the inverter broke and it, w- it took a while to get them back out to replace it. But I think as with most contractors, the rules on solar power and the rules from the utility companies have been changing. There's been a move afoot to change some of those rules. So there's been a lot of uncertainty with that. And I think they've had to reduce their staff uh in the last couple of years because of all that uncertainty with the federal tax credits ending and, and how the power companies treat you on your bill, if you will. I was just going to pass along. I, I have a, I track all the stuff with a spreadsheet over the last year. I'm just looking at my spreadsheet. Now I, I generate about 61% of my power. When I initially put it in 2010, it was only that same system was only equal to 40% of my power. So I've, we've done a lot of things at our house in terms of, uh, we bought a more efficient air conditioner, we bought a more efficient, I have a pool, we bought an efficient pool pump. Uh, we bought one of those high efficiency washers. So those things have really helped to reduce my electricity bill. So now the system, I had figured it'd be 40% of my usage is now up to 60% of my usage. I don't see an ability to drop that much more just kind of given where I'm at. Um, but, you know, over there's, uh, I think last year it generated something like 8,500 kilowatt hours of power so dave do you ever have to uh pump power back into the grid and make them buy it back from you it's it's almost minimal because of the fact that my system generates 60 percent i think at the end of the year you settle up once a year and i it's literally uh like a a few dollars dude um um it's unusual for me, like this time of year, March, the the spring and, and the fall are the times of year in Arizona where I can have a day where I can actually generate more than I use. But be, again, because on average I'm generating 61%, when you settle up at the end of the year, I think literally I've had one or two years over the past nine where there was some settle up dollars and it was like less than $5. Now, if, if you had... Um, uh, if you had a potentially bigger system, then that settle up dollars could be a, could be a lot less. But I just don't I don't have that issue. Do you have different time of day charges there? We do. There's um, with our power company. Uh, I have SRP. There's three different plans. You can have a basic plan where there's no time of use. I, I run mine on a uh, the simple time of use plan, which is basically between six, sorry, three p.m. and six p.m. You're charged a higher rate. And then there's a more um, complicated time of use plan that has peak periods in the morning and the afternoons. And they're int- also introducing some time of use plans, like you talked about, if you have an electric car, where you charge your electric car off off hours. But we just have the simple time of use where rates go up between 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. Yeah, it seems like in California, the, the power companies have been moving the peak periods later in the day because they're getting uh, so much uh, solar generation. That's my interpretation. Mm-hmm. So uh, peak hours are going to be moved to 4 p.m. to 9 p.m., uh, where I think before they were 1.30 to 6 or something. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, it's kind of hard on some people who bought the uh, the rental systems, um, and if the rates change, and then you, you can end up going backwards. Not talking about homeowners so much as like school systems. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it, it's it's um it, it's interesting because there's been a move afoot in the industry to change kind of some of the rules about it and how you're charged. Um, so there's been a lot of uncertainty. I haven't been following as closely. 
uh, as I pro- perhaps should because I'm grandfathered under the old contract, but there's a move afoot sometimes to charge folks with solar with some sort of you know fee, depending on where you live, for having the solar system every month. Um, but I don't I don't have that I- issue right now. Yeah, the tricky part, looking backward, it's clear that yours was a good investment, and it'd be tempting because they're phasing out the um, phasing out the credit to recommend that people go ahead and do it now. But I, I went back and looked at some estimates we did. Uh, back in the day. So I'm looking at an estimate from 2009 and the cost per watt, I guess it is, was eight and a half dollars. And now it's under two. So it's gone down fourfold or more in the 10 years. So, you know what I mean? You got the deflation racing against the, the phasing out of the incentives and it's hard to time it perfectly. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're getting a new house, I think do it for your new house for sure. I, By my calculations, it pays off 10 or 12 years on a, on a new home. Some folks will calculate faster payback than there. I think it's a no-brainer. Whether you do it in an existing house, it's a, I think it's a little tricky now because there's uncertainty with how your utility company is going to charge you in the, in the future, um, whether they're going to put some sort of uh, monthly fee on having solar so that's a little bit of an uncertainty right now. Yeah, my thought would be if you're making the decision, try and figure out the math. And if you can get a, a return, get a payback in under five years, a simple payback in five years, that you should definitely go ahead and do it. That's my thought. That's why I pulled the trigger in 2010 and I calculated my payback was right about five years. And- All right. Um, so it's getting to be that time uh, uh, to start wrapping it up. Is there any any closing thoughts on solar, David? I, I think it's the wave of the future. And again, I think if you're getting getting a new house, you should strongly consider it. Just lump it into your mortgage. It's going to pay off for you long term for sure. And if you're an existing homeowner, I'd carefully get with your solar company. I know mine provided a very detailed estimate of the projections of the uh, uh, electrical generation over a 20-year period, and it's tracked pretty closely to that. They should be able to provide that to you. So if they don't, I would not go with them. And um, I don't think renting is a good idea. Yep. So if you live someplace where you're using air conditioning, I think this is probably going to pencil out. Uh, so Dave, as I mentioned previously, we're on iTunes. iTunes. Well, now it's called Apple Podcasts. Um, also on Google Play Music. Um, I was wondering, since I don't use iTunes anymore because I switched to Android, maybe you could tell our listeners how to give us a review on iTunes. That's uh, supposedly extremely important in getting your uh, podcast up into the ratings where people can find it. Gotcha. I'm glad you asked me that. So if you have an iPhone, what you want to do is you want to open up that iPhone and you want to, uh, you go to the podcast button. It's going to be that purple button there that says podcast on it. What you want to do is hit the search button, find our uh, Dave Squared podcast, and then you want, sorry? Yeah, and Dave Squared, you have to spell it out as one word, D-A-V-E-S-Q-U-A-R-E-D, because there was no way to do a superscript to 
Gotcha. So you want to take a look at that. And then w once you find it, you want to tap on it. And then if you look at the our page or any page, you can scroll down the page and you should find something on the left hand side that says write a review. If you just tap on that, then you can go ahead and leave a star rating and then you can leave some comments, some feedback and hit the hit the send button. And Dave, I was going to ask you, um, we ask from time to time about any interesting podcasts that are on your mind or things that, that you've been listening to. Well, one podcast I've been listening to for a couple of years now, it might even be, it must be over four years. It's called Happier, H-A-P-P-I-E-R. Uh, and it's by uh, an author named Gretchen Rubin and her sister. Uh, and uh, Gretchen Rubin is a very smart woman. She went to Harvard Law School and, um, and she was a clerk for a Supreme Court justice and then decided she hated law and wanted to be an author and started doing research on how to be happy. So she's written several books, and but if you like podcasts like I do, a very good way to get the latest thinking on how to be happy is to listen to this smart lady and her sister talk for 45 minutes a week. Sounds interesting. Uh, yeah, it's part of the, my inspiration of, uh, you know, they, they live in different cities and that's how they stay close. And that's one reason I want to do this because you and I had almost lost touch with each other over the years. And I, this has been a lot of fun doing the podcast. All right, great. So let's sign off and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for, uh, uh getting us up to speed on solar for your house. All right. Take care. Bye now.